Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is April 28th and the big story of the day is that the FBI raided the home of former FTFX executive Ryan Salome. Uh, this was reported by the New York Times yesterday and uh, this is interesting because uh, Ryan Salome was one of the biggest donors to the Republican Party, donating $40 million or sorry, $24 million in campaign contributions uh, during last year's midterm elections. So is the fi- is the hammer finally coming down? Are they going after uh, Tabasco next? They should. <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible behavior. Unscrupulous. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's well known that that SBF is going to take the brunt of the uh, charges that are going to be levied against him. But there are many other people who were involved in the fraud who will also be facing justice. And Ryan looks to be one of those. Uh, yeah, I guess no, fraud. I, go, go. go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say that I think it's definitely frustrating for us in an industry that moves at the speed of 12 seconds. Right. But like, the, you know, justice system moves slow and it's like super frustrating and often it doesn't move at all or work at all. But, you know, from the outside, like, it, it, like, let's just take some perspective. Like this whole thing blew up six months ago. And like, it's pretty clear that like the FTX ex- executives are like going to eat shit on this one. And like, it's getting more and more serious. So, you know, it's frustrating and it's like terrible. That this is allowed to happen, but it, it does seem that like in broad strokes, like things are being cleaned up. Like some yeah, remember reasonably. It, it, White collar financial crime takes a long time to go through the system. Uh, just as an example, uh, the Theranos founder, Elizabeth Holmes, has been charged and found guilty in a court of law. And it's been five years since her fraud was discovered. And she still hasn't gone to prison yet. So, uh, yeah, COVID really screwed with a lot of that. But your point is very well taken. Exactly. But there's a phrase that uh, the, the grinds of justice. Uh, Wait, like, wait, wait. Uh, the gears of justice. The gears grind of justice. Grind, yeah, yeah. Grind slowly, <laughs> right? Uh, but very finely, right? Uh, so they're yeah. going to get his ass, but at some point in the future. My two cents about FTX. At least they could have documented it. I mean, Enron did it well. It was all documented. <laughs> going to commit crimes. At least understand where the money is and organize. And that's the biggest frustration for me is just there was no lead there was no bookkeeping mm-hmm. documented <laughs> well if if things are documented then you can be charged for it if they're not then people have to go find and prove it but you um, can't even execute a, a crime operation a fraudulent operation if you don't know where money is how could you lend it out in the wrong way or a fraudulent way mm-hmm. you, they couldn't even execute a fraudulent operation well <laughs> well, another legend in the crypto space, Arthur Hayes, came out with a post yesterday, uh, actually maybe today, it was a few hours ago, uh, saying that let's fucking go. Another Friday, another U.S. bank on the brink of being debted by the FDIC. He's essentially saying that uh, First Republic is going to be crushed over the weekend, probably shut down is his, is his thoughts. And, uh, you know, their balance sheet is what he calls dog shit with a bunch of commercial real estate loans, which are totally mismatched in duration. And uh, and he doesn't think should be eligible for, uh, for bank funding. Uh, additionally, he also thinks that this is going to be the beginning 
of the uh, need for more intervention by the Fed, and it's going to be money printer go burr. Timing of new liquidity and where it comes from. Everyone's trying to understand it. What, what's the cause and effect, the causality? I put up a post this morning about global M2. Everyone's like, the M2 for the U.S. is down. But crypto is not a U.S. market. It's a global market. Global M2 is just straight up. Straight up. It's not down. So they're going to provide liquidity. They're going to keep the system going and kick the can. Uh, Arthur has a great insight, and I like the way he writes very much. Yeah, and it is going to be the thing that I, I believe everybody's going to be watching. Uh, you know, there's a lot of calls from uh, some MMT folks that, you know, bank deposits uh, should essentially be guaranteed across all these banks, and that uh, no matter what, the banking system needs to be held up and restored uh, and, and kept from the brink of collapse, and that one bank failure is just too much. Uh, so we will see if the Fed is ready to pivot. Uh, there was actually some tweets yesterday, uh, some Russian pranksters called in to uh, Pal, who gave, honestly, the most boring uh, speech ever, right? Like, the guy is just the, the same all the time, even in private conversations, apparently. And uh, they tricked him into thinking he was speaking with Zelensky. And he, uh, one of the tidbits that he, that he gave to them was that the Fed was done hiking. They had done their two hikes. They were done. And uh, they were going to sit here for a, for a while. And that's kind of what the market expects, except in a few months, the market's expecting the Fed to, to pivot and to start to move down in rates. So we will see what is going to happen over the next few months. Yeah, I obviously not financial advice or any sort of advice, not even history advice, but um, like when I'm looking at how things are playing out right now, like I just can't help but look at 2008 and like the parallels are like pretty crazy where, you know, Bear Stearns in like the first quarter of the year, like collapses out of nowhere and every, but they're able to like save it and put it into, uh, I forget who Bob Bear Stearns, um, but like everyone thought it was going to be okay. And like, maybe we saved the problem. And like, that is kind of like our a Silicon Valley bank. And then, you know, like over the spring and the summer, like there's a lot of like, maybe we can get through this. Maybe we can do these like little programs. And then like, suddenly everything comes to like a head um, in like the late summer or in early fall. And like, again, not any sort of advice at all. Like I've only lost money in this space. So really not advice, but um, like what I am like particularly have my eye on is the uh, US debt ceiling. And um, it's just like kind of one of these things that's like a no brainer, except for just how broken our process is right now. And like without getting political at all, it's just like, no matter what you think should happen with that, like there's huge existential stakes for the financial system and like not a lot of reason to believe it's going to be like handled cleanly. So those are like are you, kind of the things I have my eyes on. Are you in the uh, mint the coin camp? Um, I mean, I, it's all just like so gimmicky and stupid. I mean, I'm I would so much, yeah, like I'm a bajillion percent in the mint the coin camp if it means avoiding defaulting on the U.S. Like, such, yeah, like a billion percent. Like, I don't, I am one tr trillion percent on the side of like we save the U.S. financial system. Like, no question. Like it, I, if we let this thing fall apart, like what we're talking about is like money doesn't matter. We're talking like guns, ammo, and food is the only thing that matters. 
and that's yeah, not we, an option from a from a congressional standpoint. And I don't want at, that. At some point, the money folks will walk into Congress and explain there is an extreme deficiency of collateral, which is why the two-year and the short end of the curve is the volatility that it has. It cannot be moving up and down. There's not enough of it in the system. And that obviously allows them to raise the debt, fill the TGA, so they need to issue the debt. Someone will explain to the folks that are making the decisions how money or the system works, at least the status quo system. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be a fun couple of years in how all of this plays out, especially with how uh, overvalued everything's been for for the past several years. Um, you know, it's either going to take massive money injections or we're going to have flat markets for the next decade, uh, which you know is <laughs> good for some and not good for other people. Uh, One cute thought: everyone's like 2008 Bear Stearns. You mentioned. If you're an investor in Bastards and Bastards is going to go bankrupt, that's not a good stock to own. And by, by the, the sentiment I guess I'm trying to express is contagion of a whole market or specific instruments, specific companies. And what's the relationship between specific companies and crypto, U.S. markets, international markets? They're not necessarily related. The causality isn't there. And, and that just gives great insight into capital flows and where to allocate capital forward thinking. And that's why we, I come back to Arthur and the way he thinks about money and issuance and investment opportunity. And that, and I'll end on uh, a reference to Raul Powell and the way he tells his stories about 97% correlation to global money supply. Wonderful stories. Well, guys, I have another question for you. Is ETH the security? Does it matter? I think it does. You know, it matters for the builders in the space and anybody that actually wants to integrate it into their platforms. But apparently nobody can say that this is a security or not. Even the former CTF, uh, CTFTC chair uh, can't say if ETH is a security. In, in which country? Uh, <laughs> in the United States. In written testimony uh, that is going before the House Committee on Agriculture because the C CFTC is uh, is governed by that committee uh, since they're dealing with commodities. Uh, the former commissioner, or former chair, um, Massad, said that he does not know if ETH is a security or not. It's too <laughs> difficult to tell. <laughs> he doesn't have enough information. And his concern about Ethereum was that in the merge where they changed the system of validating transactions, there seemed to be a foundation or group of people involved that is that under the Howey test, a common enterprise. So, uh, you know, the tides are changing and uh, these elected or unelected officials are having trouble <laughs> figuring out some, you know, just basic, basic stuff. Uh, I mean, look, there. Oh, go ahead, Garrett. Uh, I was just going to say uh, another question on top of this. Like when I see this, I assume there's some sort of inside thing where if you like are in CFTC or SEC chair, like there must be some written or unwritten rule saying that you don't make these public disclosures. Does anyone know if that's the case? Like there's like precedent or like uh, you know, insider reason why people don't say these things? Uh, I, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I know that in my heart <laughs> that you're definitely <laughs> right. Um, look, I, I just like 
like the the idea of like a security is not like a state of nature it's not like you can say like oh it, we have eth is it like a solid a liquid or a gas like a security is not a real thing like either we decide it's a security and it's not and like the fact that like these individual people like can't tell like it's not that it's just like we have no framework and like at some point it needs to be decided the right way is through congress which won't happen because it's broken the better way is through like the administrative agencies because that's a system we have set up and then the worst way which is what's going to happen is through the courts and like but, Wait, but the bottom why would the worst like, way be why would the worst way be, way be through the courts because like the the court is like the venue in which you like basically say like everything's fucked up and we need to like resolve it and yes. then like and what you would prefer is like the way that our like the U.S. government system, since at like at least the 1940s, has been set up, where Congress passes a law, sets like the framework for what all the things are, and then it's given to the, ex the executive agencies to actually like implement and execute. And when things go well, like that is the process by which you want like rules to be made. You don't want like every time a rule to be made for it in two years to go to the Supreme Court to get completely changed and rewritten. Well. If it, I mean, if it goes to the Supreme Court and gets overturned, I mean, the rule was wrong in the first place, right? Sort uh, of, but like you're you're just like kind of going on a soapbox about about unelected officials, and like <laughs> that is the judicial system. No, no, judicial system. Those people are elected. Well, I mean, look, look, the judicial system is different. It's a, it's a checks and balances system, um, and it's it's yeah, but so is the executive system. Like I don't know. Again, this is politics. Like we shouldn't get into it. The only point that I was trying to make is that like. ETH is not a security. ETH is a security. Like there, there's no state of nature for that. It is like something right. that we collectively decide. Here's the, the thing that I always go back to why it's so different than securities. If you have an IBM stock, it's registered and it's put on uh, the U.S. market. What is it on? Uh, NASDAQ or the whatever. Yeah. Uh, Intel. Uh, it's on NASDAQ. If you're in Britain, and you want to buy the security, you have to have a relationship with NASDAQ and a brokerage, and you have to go through a path, a sequence of the actors that give you access to the security. If Ethereum is defined as a security, and it's offered through New York Stock Exchange or whatever, and you're in Britain, you're not going through the New York Stock Exchange. You're going straight to Ethereum. It's irrelevant. From a global landscape, this is an unprecedented type of instrument. It's relative to the country. And what what's to say, I'm in the United States, and, and it's defined as a security in the United States. All right, I'm just going to buy this shit in Britain. It's not a security in Britain. Of course, not a security in Southeast Asia. I'll just go through that market. So it's relevant, this conversation. Not our conversation, but the conversation of whether it's a security or not. But it's also very irrelevant. What does it mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything. Side, yeah, go ahead, Garrett. So much of the Ethereum like influence is from the United States, though. Like people who are running solo stakers, or even like the sexes, or like organizations running uh, validator nodes. There's a ton of hash power equivalent in the United States. So, you know, it matters at the margins for people like this who aren't sure exactly like if they're gonna have to shut down their nodes because the feds might come break down their door next. What happened to Bitcoin in China when the, the hash rate migration came to the surprisingly, US? Surprisingly, uh, though, China still has a fair amount of hash power. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's regulatory arbitrage. Exactly, right. 
and you know, speaking of securities, Gary G came out with a lovely video yesterday talking about dog leashes and how if you walk your dog without a leash, you're going to get a ticket. Even if even if you've walked your dog without a leash for years, uh, the cops can come up and uh, and give you a ticket. So the same thing applies to these crypto securities and platforms. Uh, you know, they just need to come in and register, guys. They, they just need Who to is disclose. he talking to? I don't Ooh. know. Coinbase, probably. No, 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 no. He's small... talking to the he's talking to the uh, the the Ethereum company that is uh, in charge for running the whole system, right? His his audience is his bosses, in my opinion. Yep. He's trying to impress like a small cadre of people who might give him a promotion. Yeah, this has nothing to do with us. I guess uh, it's important to remember that the uh, the SEC chair is uh, selected by the uh, by the executive, which in this case is Biden. And he can also be fired by Biden as well, too. So um, I would you know. urge people take the time this weekend, write a letter to your congressperson, ask them to co-sponsor the good Warren legislation, not the Elizabeth Warren, but Warren Davidson, who's proposing to reform the SEC. Exactly. And use ChatGPT to write the letter, please. Exactly. Please. Yeah, please. <laughs> Rex, I saw you uh, painfully sitting down in the corner. Well, I mean, I'm just like way less anti-SEC than most people, so I don't like. I I support like people having their voice and like participating in the democratic process. Um, I think that like we have a problem in our industry acknowledging that like the vast majority of the energy and like a lot of the building is in scams and like really just like taking advantage of people, like the exact reason why the SEC was created. And like, yes, sure. I think that there's opportunity to make things better and streamline and fix things and like create a better government. But like, if I can fix the government, like the SEC is like the eighth thing on my list. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I think you're on the right track. And I, I just think the conversation is wrong with SEC is not thinking big enough picture. Their responsibility isn't the instrument with regard to crypto, it's regard to the agencies. They should be regulating Coinbase and giving them all the rules and guidance they need to give the general public a huge amount of access and to filter out the horrible things, the horrible coins, the Pepe coins, the securities. The general public shouldn't have access to those things. And that's the conversation they should be having to allow the industry to expand and grow. They have zero technological capacity to regulate at the network level because of regulatory arbitrage. And you could just buy Pepe coin in Britain for all <laughs> anyone cares. But the organizations, the general public, the, the broader society will never interact with DeFi through a ledger device and, and, and DeFi. They're going to go through companies and and organizations and that is where regulation is absolutely critical right like we don't like nobody in the government regulates tcp ip right but we do regulate the internet and like guess what there's like the dark web which is like unregulated which means like it's not indexed by google and like any one of us can go on it right now but like the reality is the vast 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 majority of us never engage with the internet except through these like very regulated very like centralized like traditional things and i think like that is the model for ethereum where it's like yeah. we build the core thing like it, it allows like this permanent rage quit option it allows like full access to the whole globe but like i fully expect the economic activity to be like fucking jp morgan roll up you know like wh why wouldn't it be that 
well yeah, that's okay rex i'm i'm docking i'm docking 10 points from your social credit score uh <laughs> permanently from your <laughs> ethereum okay. public ethereum address uh and you know one of the other things is that's potentially coming along for ethereum which could you know bring about some of these fears that a lot of people have are the idea of decentralized identity uh connected to soulbound tokens soulbound token is just an nft that can't move right and uh it, it's got a fancy little name but uh a lot of different exchanges and other identity providers have been toying with the idea of depositing nfts into your account so like when you register on binance or somewhere and then you do a withdrawal right they create an nft they send it to your account now they know and they can prove that that account has been kyc'd and uh is connected to some identity real identity in the space but do you guys think what, what are your guys' thoughts on this uh decentralized identifiers and uh is it the next thing for ethereum and crypto I have no problem with what you just described, like at all. Like, I think that if Binance or any centralized exchange decides to make that business decision, like the beauty of what this is, is like, we'll all move to XYZ exchange that pops out of the Seychelles in two weeks. You know, like that, like that is the power of like, you know, the free market and like what Ethereum allows that anyone to participate. And so like, I think, I think we can have like a, a, like a very intellectually stimulating debate about like the, the risks of um, marrying identity with blockchain and like all the stuff that's going on in China and like all that stuff. But I, I don't, I like get really frustrated when we have these like conversations about identity and like don't start from the standpoint that like identity is so screwed already. Like, but let's just, social security number is like, the worst thing, the worst system that's ever been invented. I know, but um, let's talk so. about it in the text of crypto, right? Um, like Tornado Cash was one of the few ways that you could protect your identity in the uh, crypto space. Unfortunately, it meant that you had to share an anonymity set with other people who potentially might be North Koreans, but uh, it did provide a, uh, a relatively safe and, uh, and usable way to move funds into a brand new account that could be delinked from from where the assets came, but still prove it if you need to at a later date uh, using their zk technology. So, I think that this type of privacy is important. You should be able to move funds into a new account and be anonymous, um, and have some way to prove that those funds are yours. But uh, you know, the main problem with Tornado Cash was that the anonymity set was shared between all people. And uh, so I know there's you know, a few new solutions that are coming out. Somebody's trying to uh, actually Amin from uh, Spank Chain has launched a new product that allows you to determine your anonymity set. It's Tornado Cash, but you can say that you're not North Korean. You can <laughs> sign a transaction saying like, I am not this address. And so if, <laughs> if, uh, if everybody signs a transaction saying they're not North Korean and that this is my address, the anonymity set of that person drops from 100 down to could be zero. And then you could fully see and, and uh, determine the entrance and exit address, entrance and exit addresses uh, for that for that North Korean, right? Yeah. So yeah, going back to soulbound tokens, the only issue I have with them is more practical, which is that periodically for security, you need to rotate wallets. Like yep, maybe yep, you're concerned yep. that your seed phrase got compromised and then you might have to go through and like re-KYC at a bunch of places, which just could be a hassle. Um, like the same issue I have with like locking the ECRV for four years. Um, 
So it's not just soulbound tokens, but just sort of any of these long-term things. Uh, you know, I think it's like what you pointed out, like there's some people still building some interesting stuff in the space. If you haven't looked at Sismo, which is building some interesting identity solutions, Railgun is uh, picking up and building like a really innovative like uh, Web3 platform that has privacy tools built into it, but it's not specifically a privacy protocol. Yeah. I think we probably warrant a debate at some point <laughs> to understand better about what's happening in the privacy space. Yeah, let's get uh, the Sismo yeah. team on. They'd probably do it. Oh yeah, yeah. If you guys are listening, please come on. Um, <laughs> one of the bigger, one of the uh, more interesting DeFi stories that I saw yesterday, posted by Ivan uh, in Lobster Chat, was that uh, Astaria is now launching their closed beta. So for those LSD NFT holders there is a uh, what they call a revolution in NFT lending. So uh, this is going to be a new way to borrow against NFTs and also to uh, uh, get exposure to NFTs by buying them at a discount in case they're liquidated. So uh, brand new lending protocol. I know that NFT Fi is super hot right now and it's interesting to see the new developments in the space. So good luck to this team. Maybe we'll have to have them on to talk about their product. It'll be a never-ending debate. What is value? And ultimately, mm -hmm. value could be transitory, but ultimately, all value has equity and a means of accessing that equity mm -hmm. has value. So what they're building has value. Exactly. Is it a security, and, though? No, I, I mean, it, w it will be in the future. It, you know, these NFT5 marketplaces will eventually shift towards doing like houses and uh cars or whatever you want anything that could be securitized and be put on chain have on-chain lending against it at some point or at least that's the idea um you know uh, another story that we had was that uh, tokenization just what i was talking about of uh of pretty much everything is the quote-unquote killer app for tradfi and that's uh, said by jp morgan uh they were talking about this in terms of their onyx digital assets platform and, uh, you know, JP Morgan's moving ahead with asset tokenization in spite yeah. of everything that's happened in the markets. Yeah. So, like, my biggest takeaway from ETH Denver, like, two months ago is, like, I walked through all of the, like, little booths and everything and saw, like, all the DeFi stuff and was energized by that. But, like, for me, the craziest thing was I met a lot of, like, the hedge fund guys and, like, the guys who work at banks. And I learned about JP Morgan Onyx for the first time. And I realized, like, JP Morgan is already doing repo transactions with like 10 of like the world's biggest banks using quorum which is just a geth fork just a private geth fork and like that blew my mind where it's like we always talk about how this like technology is going to change the world and we just like hope someone realizes it but just to see that like people with like the actual real business need and like the resources to make things happen are are pretty far ahead of us like doing real financial important transactions and um you know like my my take on ethereum is it's inevitable it's just like if you're building in blockchain you're inevitably going to settle to eth and so like i i understand why people can look at jp morgan and all this stuff and like be nervous about government chains and private chains but for me it's just like an incredibly bullish sign that um like real institutions believe in the technology and like we're all on the same ship then one last thought is there's two uh, two considerations is the tech and the proliferation of it and the consumption of it, uh, but then there's access. 
So the big excitement over the last couple of years of DeFi is access to types of securitized or traditionally securitized type products that we have access to. And uh, uh, both are interesting, obviously, what they're doing from an institutional standpoint. But look, rapid, and it goes on mainnet. And now additional people, an entire market has access to it. So that that's a complicated regulatory conversation. What, who has access to what type of investment? I mean, they're obviously talking about um, uh, accredited investor rules lately. It's a hot topic lately. And th- that's a meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. So many legal questions. So just a quick shameless plug to join me for a llama party today at 10 a.m. with the great Gabriel Shapiro, who will be cool. answering a ton of uh, amazing legal questions. We'll see how uh, far we can go. Of course, no legal advice. We should get him on Leviathan at some point. You should tell him to come on. I know he's very busy, though. Oh, yeah, let's do it. With everything that he's doing. But that's going to be a really nice chat. Uh, Alex Golubisky, who came on the other day, uh, has been a big proponent of Gabriel. And uh, I believe he released a new um, report just a couple of days ago, didn't he? Uh, the Borg. We'll be talking yeah, about that in depth. Exactly. I was like, how, how do we create actual uh, like DAOs or like companies that are run by on-chain organizations? Uh, essentially. Uh, really important read. Definitely should go out and take a look at that. Um, Gabriel's one of the smartest crypto lawyers in the space. Uh, but we're going to wrap up there today. Uh, we went a little bit longer and, than usual, but it's okay. Um, but guys, great having you on. You can find us all on Twitter. Uh, we have our Twitter names here for you can see in the video. Uh, if not, it'll be li- linked below. And uh, you got something, Garrett? Oh, yeah. Just a question from the comments on YouTube. Noah, what kind of watch are you sporting? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um. This is a Breitling. I like the Breitling brand. There's two brands out of Switzerland that are uh, registered uh, chronometers or chronographs, uh, and that's Breitling and Rolex, but it's much cheaper than Breitling Path. You should tokenize it. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is going to wrap it up for today. Today is April 28th, 2023. We still need a, a way to wrap up show so if you have some ideas on some uh catch lines to come out with uh, please let us know in the comments make sure to follow us follow us on youtube and spotify uh we see you we're hitting like new subscribers across all of our channels every single day so thank you for the support and uh you know share us with your mama and we will see you tomorrow i know i know rex (laughs) (laughs) might lose some mamas from this from, uh, (laughs) from this topic Thank you so much, guys. Have a good one. All right. See you tomorrow.